Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friend Reese, we will be reacting to another beautiful infield in game. Kansas City Swiss Army Knives beat the New York Jets 35-9, improving to a 7-1 record. Oh, whoops, did, did I put Swiss Army Knives? Sorry, I meant Swiss Army Knives, that's what I meant, because which way do you want it? How do you want it? Do you want it through the air? Do you want it in the running game? Do you want it on defense? The Chiefs have proven in this 7-1 record that they can beat you any single way they want. What do you think, Reese? I agree with you. I don't think we've watched two similar games in a row this year in regards to how the Chiefs are playing. There are some constants from game to game, particularly annoying constants from game to game, but there are also some good things going on, like our pass defense quietly being the second highest rated pass defense in the NFL. So it's kind of like... Pick your poison, die by the sword, die by the poison. <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about that later on about how Kansas City is adjusting game to game and how I mean, I haven't seen that before. Um, so it's really exciting for us. But before we get to the exciting stuff, it's time to shame somebody. Uh -oh. Yes, that's right. We're back. Armando's shame nun segment. For those of you that have not heard it before, like I've said in the past, it is from the Game of Thrones when Cersei has to do the walk of shame and everyone goes, for shame, for shame. Well, today we are for shaming some people, and I will explain why. First person we are shaming today is Nick Shook, writer from NFL.com, who, let's see, about three weeks ago wrote a beautiful article called Top 10 NFL MVP Candidates. Why don't we go through those candidates and for shame all of them. Number one, Russell Wilson, for shame. Number two, Aaron Rodgers, for shame. Number three, Josh Allen, for shame. Number four, this is great, Miles Garrett. Defensive what? end on the Cleveland Browns. No! <laughs> they, they allowed like 76 points in two games. How can you be an MVP candidate doing that? And this is when the Browns were still bad, right? This is like three weeks ago. The, the Browns were like considered maybe going to go into the playoffs. You don't put a maybe going into the playoffs player. Well, not not only not even an offensive player, a defensive player on an almost contending team in the playoffs on an MVP chart. Shame on you, Mr. Shook. Khalil Mack is better than that, and they're freaking five and two at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put Khalil Mack. I mean, even at that point, put Aaron Donald on there. The Rams suck now, but I mean, even put Aaron Donald before Miles Garrett. So shame on you, Shook. Patrick Mahomes came in at five. He came in at number five on that list. When was that article written? Uh, October, I think October 12th. Still major for shame. For shame. <laughs> And even on some of the new ones, like ESPN, let's see who wrote this article. Courtney Cronin, shame on you. You have Russell Wilson over Patrick Mahomes. Um, even Vegas, even Vegas odds. And uh, let's see when this 
this article came out. Um, October 27th, the Vegas odds. Number one, Russell Wilson. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Then Patrick Mahomes. Then right behind him is Tom Brady. Gross. Those are the Las Vegas odds. Shame on you, Las Vegas. So all of you people are for shame because you forgot the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, the majesty of Patrick Mahomes. This is only Patrick's fourth season, right? And they're already tired of him. He's only been in the league for four years, and he didn't really play his first year. Yeah, it's really his third season. The MVP his second year, because that's the fun story to make, and the numbers were outrageous. Wins a Super Bowl in the third year, and is on pace to at least be in the AFC Championship this year. Yet no one except for... Actually, sorry. No one... This whole first half of the season has given him any respect. Now, I turn on the news today, and what's the first topic for Dan Orlovsky? It's Patrick Mahomes is the next MVP this year. Like, how dare you guys? We have to have a good game against the, the Jets for you guys to start talking about the greatness of Patrick Mahomes? How dare you? For shame national media today. How quickly the fickle media forgets after riding on the coattails of Lamar Jackson for the better part of a season and a half after a seven game start where, as you mentioned, we are deciding to surgically cut up teams instead of slashing and gashing teams with our video game like numbers. People just forget about Dre. Well, let me tell you what. Don't call it a comeback because he's only been here for three years and you're due for another decade of this kind of dominance. Patrick Mahomes has been playing incredibly efficient football. He has one interception on the year. It was a bad pass that Kelsey has admittedly said was his fault on the route. Otherwise, he's playing squeaky clean and he's playing mean. Exactly. Patrick Mahomes pitches a perfect game yesterday. 416 yards. Five touchdowns, zero interceptions, and didn't really play that fourth quarter. That was generally all in the third quarter, a little bit of the fourth. So amazing numbers put up by Patrick Mahomes yesterday. Do you think, Reese, anybody can stop Patrick Mahomes from being the MVP now? Now that the national media has his attention, do you think someone like a Russell Wilson or maybe even a Tom Brady who we saw Vegas has put as four... Do you think someone like that can come out of the woodworks the second half of the season? Well, I don't know if there's such as coming out in the woodworks. I think it might be a matter of who sticks their neck across the finish line first. I I can't see Tom Brady maintaining this rate of play for the rest of the year, which, mind you, he hasn't played great all year. He's played great the last two games. He looked really old for about the first three or four games of the season. So he's got a long way to go to drag that star-studded Buccaneers team to the finish line in MVP form. I think Russell Wilson will be right there with Pat balling a giant fall off in numbers. He's playing far less efficient football than Patrick Mahomes, mind you, throwing more interceptions against the Arizona Cardinals last week than Pat's thrown all season. But everybody loves a good story, and right now Russell's story is much like Drew Brees two years ago where he's still chasing his first MVP. Yeah, well, let, let's look at Russell's next few games. Actually, let's look at 
some good games he's going to play. He's going to play the Bills, which we exposed the Bills, but we'll see if they can turn it on against against Russell Wilson. He's playing the Rams, who the Rams also haven't been playing well, but they still have Aaron Donald, so if they put pressure on him, that game can go either way. Uh, rematch with the Cardinals. We'll see if that becomes another shootout. And then they play the Redskins. I know Redskins suck, but their defense is actually pretty legit, I think, personally. So I think that could be a challenge for us. And then the last game of the season is the 49ers. By that point, I think the 49ers should get it together, and that should be a pretty good game and a tough game for Russell Wilson. Now let's look at the rest of our season. The Panthers should be easy. Raiders definitely will be easy and a lot of fire from that offense. Then we play the Bucs, which is actually going to be pretty tough. The Bucs have a great defense, but it could be one of those shootout games with Tom Brady, which will be fun to watch. Um, but expect another great Patrick Mahomes game. Then Broncos, then Dolphins, then the Saints, who it could be another shootout game, then the Falcons and the Chargers. So going forward, it looks like Patrick Mahomes is set up to put up some great numbers. I think our strength of schedule is way better than Seattle's. So I think if the media is just going for these big numbers and not really looking at how these quarterbacks are leaders and affect the game and change the game quarter by quarter by quarter, if they're just looking at the video game numbers, Patrick Mahomes can put up video game numbers for the rest of the season. Well, and that's what's tricky as well is that Seattle is playing much like the 2018 Chiefs in the sense that their defense is pretty awful. I mean, straight bad. And Russell Wilson's having to huck the balls great distances for a lot of yards and touchdowns just to keep him in the game. Now, the difference is when Patrick Mahomes did that in 2018, there was really nobody else that was his peer in regards to statistics. Because if you remember, Drew Brees fell off about the last six, seven games of that season. He fell off that uh, inner circle that he had. This year, Russell Wilson isn't standing by himself right now. Patrick Mahomes is right there with him, if not a little bit ahead. As you mentioned, Tom Brady's kind of sniffing there. You know, so I think if the two continue at this pace, you know, it'll come down to the media's decision as to who do they want to give it to. But, you know, maybe Pat loses it and wins another Super Bowl. Then who's laughing? Right, exactly. And and that's and that's what I'm afraid of, kind of this, like, LeBron James thing where LeBron is clearly at some points where he didn't win the MVP. He was the best player in in basketball. He's the most athletic. Like Shaq when 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 Steve Nash won those two uh season MVPs, Shaq was still the most dominant and best player in the in the NBA. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to see a lot of that during his during his tenure in the NFL and unfortunately he might see it this year despite having the numbers. Like not only is he the best player in the NFL, which is a consensus, he is also putting up the numbers that could be MVP. So I, I hope I hope these pundits don't go for the story and really just go for this pure football. But I can't I can't trust them. I can't I, I can't trust you, Mr. Shook. I can't trust you, Shook. Shook got you shook. <laughs> All right, moving on. But actually, before we move on, just want to another great stat. According to Elias Sports, Patrick Mahomes becomes the first player in NFL history with at least 20 passing touchdowns and one or fewer interceptions in his first eight games of the season. That's crazy. He is the first Chiefs player with 400 passing yards, five touchdowns and zero interceptions in a game. Also, yesterday, Patrick Mahomes 
It was his 10th career game with four passing touchdowns that passes Hall of Famer Len Dawson for the most games with four passing touchdowns in Chiefs history. And remember, Pat's only played three seasons. With all respect to Mr. Dawson playing in the era where if you threw the ball over 12 times, you were considered an air raid offense. <laughs> That's true. We, we 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 love some Len Dawson, but yeah, yeah Patrick Mahomes, I mean, barring injury, is going to have the craziest numbers anyone will ever see. Did I not tell you about the Doctor Strange thing last week? Staying healthy, how many uh, realities do you see where the Chiefs lose to the Jets? <laughs> None. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> and going into our next segment, the reason why it will be zero chances the Jets will ever win is because we can beat you any way we want. And how did we beat them yesterday? With our wide receiving core. Oh yeah, that's right. We have the best receiving core in the NFL. I totally forgot. Kelsey has 109 yards. Hill and Hardman almost have 100 yards each. When's the last time you've ever seen three wide receivers? Or, I mean, I'm I'm counting Kelsey as a wide receiver here. When's the last time you saw three of them almost have 100 yards each? I mean, we're looking back a good ways. Uh, you know, there's been a few duos that have finished the year with 1,000 yards receiving, but that's still very few and far between. I'm really proud of our receiving core yesterday. I mean, everybody came out to ball, and finally people are stepping up in the absence of Sammy Watkins. You know, I've heard a lot of talk, especially in the last few weeks, uh, about, you know, whoa, the Chiefs could have picked DK Metcalf if they would have picked him six picks before. Yeah, and you know what? The Bears could have picked Patrick Mahomes when they jumped up to number two, but they didn't. And and the other thing on, like, the McCole Hardman hate that I don't like right now is that you got to remember, DK Metcalf, had a far higher bust than boom ratio going into that draft. He was largely like a high-risk project. And even then, if he didn't bust, nobody saw his ceiling where he's playing at right now. This, you know, this wasn't can't miss. Even Patrick Mahomes, you know, he had a lot of things to like touch up, but all the tangibles were there. DK Metcalf, I mean, he had historically bad times and drills at the combine, remember? So it was kind of a lottery ticket, which is really paying off. All that to say, too much hate on our boy McCole Hardman. He really showed up this week. Seven receptions for just under 100 yards. He made some key plays. He had that touchdown in the first quarter. I think we're going to see more of this from McCole. And even if he just winds up being kind of a six to 800-yard second option for the team in the near future, that's exactly what we drafted him for. If, if Sammy Watkins... Uh Say he has an injury going into the playoffs. Do you trust McCole Harmon to be our number two wide receiver going into the playoffs against the Steelers, against the Ravens, the Titans? Well, you know, it's I don't think we have to expect him to because, as you mentioned, Travis Kelsey, for all intents and purposes, acts as a de facto wide receiver. Him and Tyree Kill, you can pencil them in as wide receiver one and wide receiver one A. So really, we need our Hardmans, our Robinsons, our Pringles to be our kind of wide receiver three, all of which showed up in spades yesterday and proved they can do it. I think that McCole Hardman these past two games has showed us that he can be a reliable wide receiver because we haven't seen that before. When Sammy Watkins went out, when when Tyreek Hill went out last year, McCole Harmon went into a role that he was not prepared for, and we knew going into the summer, we were hearing a lot of talk about McCole Harmon getting better at route running because that, that that was what we needed, right? We knew his speed was great. Another stat that I picked up, the Chiefs have two wide receivers, McCole and Tyreek, that are 
have clocked in this year to be uh, two of the top five fastest wide receivers on go routes. I think Tyreek is one and McColl is five, which is insane. It's insane to have two of the top five fastest uh, wide receivers. And we knew McColl was fast, but this is like in game for 2020 has proven that McColl Hardman is one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL. So not only that, but his route running has gotten better, and he's also been explosive in the offense, which we have not seen before. So I have a lot of confidence now in McColl for these past two games, albeit not the greatest teams, but this is a great confidence booster for McColl. Well, and if I can jump in off of what you were saying, people need to remember, too, we weren't drafting McColl Hardman to be some do-it-all, you know, Swiss Army knife wide receiver a la Randy Mosser with DK Metcalf's turning into. We drafted him because a day before the draft, it looked like there's a very good chance we were losing Tyreek Hill forever on the team. And with the offense running the very intricate and speed-oriented plays it does, we needed a Tyreek Hill replacement, not a DK Metcalf. And that's exactly what McCall Hardman shows he can be. Yeah. And also to add to your DK Metcalf argument, DK had a neck injury in college. And yes, his talent was good. He's athletic. And in the combine, his numbers were not good. But I know he had a I think he had a good 40. I think like it was impressive that he had a 40 for the body that he had. Very good. But injuries in college are so important to consider going into the NFL. So I don't blame anybody for not taking DK Metcalf, even though he looked good. Having a neck injury and re-injuring your neck during the season is not fatal, but fatal for your NFL career. So going into it, of course, for a first round pick, for a second round pick, you don't want to bet on someone that had an injury like that, right? If it if if it's hamstring injuries, fine. Um, if it's a foot injury, actually, foot injuries are bad. But like if it's something like that, but if it's a neck injury, that that's huge. So yeah, I definitely defend anyone that didn't take DK Mecca before because you really have to consider those college injuries and how that's going to affect you in the NFL. And as you mentioned, he had a historically bad cone drill, you know, which is a lot of turning and agility, which says two things, you know, it's like one, his route running and feet might not be great. Why might that be? Oh, it might be because he has a neck injury and has a hard time making sudden movements, which is important for a wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, good call. And look, DK's playing great right now. I don't want to jinx him, but if anything happens to his neck, you're not going to see him for seasons, not just one. You won't see him for seasons because something like that is very hard to regenerate two neck injuries. No way. So he's still a liability, even though he's playing out of his mind right now. You still always have to consider his injury history. Okay, moving on. So we killed them right in in, in wide receivers. Our running backs. What happened? CEH, 21 yards, Le'Veon Bell, 7 yards on 6 carries. Are you concerned, Reese, about that duo? Not at all. Not at all. This was a game where the Jets were going to give us everything we wanted through the air, so I'm happy that Andy largely had the wherewithal just to keep going at it through the air. You know, people kept putting up this narrative about a Le'Veon Bell revenge game, but... You know, how much of that is just media hype versus actual stuff? I didn't, outside of one late hit that I thought should have been a personal foul, it wasn't chippy between Le'Veon and the Jets or vice versa. Like you said, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had, what, six carries? Le'Veon Bell had seven, I believe. So it's not like we were running it 25 times a game and just hitting a brick wall. We just kept killing him with the passing game, and that's that's okay for me. Yeah, I and and that's kind of what I wanted to take away from this as well. I don't want people to see this as a 
uh-oh, CH is in trouble, Le'Veon Bell's in trouble. They took what they got. So not only were they blitzing on the front four, but they were also using their linebackers to bring pressure to Patrick Mahomes. Well, in doing so, you have these one-on-ones with Kelsey. You have these one-on-ones with Tyreek. And Pat knows, he's like, okay, we can try to expose their running game, but if they're going to be pressure me all game... Like, of course, I'm going to take a one-on-one with Tyreek. And what I learned after in the in the post-game interview, Andy was saying he called the same plays last week than he did this week because a lot of the plays that they run are these RPOs where he's giving Patrick the option to run or pass. So last week, they gave him the option to run because it just looked better. It's the same game script, and that's kind of the luxury of having Patrick Mahomes. He can see what the defense is going to give him now. He he can read defenses very well now. So he's running the same plays, except he's saying, all right, CH, you're going to run this one because a lot of them are crowding Tyreek Hill. They're doubling Travis Kelsey. All right, you're going to have a great game. The same play in a different game, he goes, okay, look, Tyreek, just, just do a go route. I'll, I'll find you. You'll be there. You're way faster than these cornerbacks. So it's amazing to have Patrick Mahomes. I mean, another reason why it's amazing to have him. We didn't change the playbook. It's the same thing, but Andy's trusting Pat to make those in-game, those in-drive decisions as to what to do with the ball. So really cool stuff I learned from that postgame. No, I totally agree with you on that. And, you know, let's look at it this way. Would you rather be a team that every other week, oh my gosh, the passing offense looks all-worldly. And then the next week, oh my gosh, the rushing offense looks all-worldly. Would you rather have that kind of back and forth? Or would you rather have the back and forth of the Seahawks and Russell Wilson where it's, oh my gosh, this receiver looks otherworldly. And then the next week, that receiver looks otherworldly. I'd rather have multiple ways to take down my enemy than just kind of throwing it to the hot hand of the week. Yeah, right. So if if, if you're the if, if, you, if you're the Packers and you are planning for Seattle, you know you have to double up. Tyler Lockett you know you have to double up uh, DK Metcalf Um, so they are predictable like you said so a Packers team can plan for that a Steelers team who we might play in the AFC they have no idea what to do they have a great team I know you and I have gone back and forth via text about the Steelers defense but that's going to give Mike Tomlin a problem as to how do we game plan right these elite defenses they can be elite but how do we game plan we have no idea what quarter one is going to bring to us and it's a huge luxury I honestly have never seen that in the NFL we've never seen someone with so many weapons so it's just been super cool to watch and again shame on you national media for not noticing the majesty All right, let's move on from that segment going into the other side of the field. Our defense looked great, Reese. Reese, are you now able to say that Dirty Dan is officially a starter? You have no qualms about Dirty Dan. Is he the real deal? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Give me consistency. Pro Football Focus had his highest grade of the season prior to the last two weeks at a 30, dude. Dirty Dan is still boomer bust. I'm very thankful that for the last two games he's shown out to play. But unless he wants to carry 
like a semblance of this level of play through the end of the season, I'm not going to put all my eggs in the dirty damn basket. I'm just happy we have a three deep safety trio of Honey Badger, Juan Thornhill, and Dan Sorensen that each week they all show up to a degree, but one of them decides that they're going to be the heavy hitter of the week. And for the last two weeks, it's largely been Dan Sorensen, and I am thankful for it. Now, maybe because... Honey Badger is very solidified in his role. Juan Thornhill solidified in his role. Dirty Dance kind of, like you said, that third safety, that third hover. Does that boost your confidence in Dirty Dan that he doesn't have to be that guy like he had to be, you know, two years ago, three years ago? Now he's just that third guy. Does that then boost your confidence for him? Uh, not yet, because I, I always know what Dirty Dan can be on both sides of the coin. Dirty Dan can be the guy he's been the last two weeks, which is this hard-hitting, just like savage individual who has a nose for the ball, fumbles, and interceptions. Or he can also be the guy who's a day late and a dollar short in regards to getting to a play and missing tackles. So last year we got thankful that good side Dirty Dan showed up all through the playoff run, and that's what we got. But for the first half of this season so far, up until the last couple of weeks, we've kind of had the Jekyll and Hyde Dirty Dan. You know, we've had the liability Dan, Dirty Dan. We've had the uh, bad man Dirty Dan. Okay, so I know our strength of schedule is strong and that we haven't played great players. But I also want to say that I think we're starting to get it together. Like beforehand, we didn't know what we were going to do with Willie Gay. We also didn't have Brashad Breeland in the beginning of the year. Uh, Juan Thornhill also coming back from injury. So Juan's healthy. Brashad's back in. Um, it seems like Willie Gay finally has a solidified role in this in this defense. He knows what he's doing. Mike Dana seems to be playing really well as well. I think that Everyone is back and everyone is back into their role. And like I said, I know we haven't played great people, but I feel like this this defense feels different in the past few games. Pretty much from the Ravens on, it just feel like a different team. I know we had some blunders with the Raiders, but we know why we had those blunders, right? It was our cornerbacks that were really being exposed out there. But since that game, leading into our next subject, in fact... The quarterbacks have been playing really well. Let's let's look at the past three quarterbacks we've played. We hold Josh Allen, Brian Hoyer, and Sam Darnold under 150 yards passing. I mean, I mean, yeah, I know it's Sam, those... I know it's Brian, but Josh Allen was an MVP candidate before we played him. Josh Allen seems to be regressing back to the mean. Now, whether that's a result of us exposing him and more teams kind of like preying off of that and getting into his own sort of head you know it could be that I think in regards to our defense though it's a little bit of six of one half dozen of another we have the second highest rated pass defense in the NFL but we also have the 30th rated run defense so so I still don't feel super confident if we have to go up against a team that has a multi-pronged rushing attack not named the Ravens because I feel like a lot of times teams are running the ball on us fairly easy. You know, Philip Lindsay was having a day until Dan Sorensen knocked him out of the game. Yesterday, the Jets were finding a lot of long rushes on first down. They converted a few fourth downs on us. I am still not happy with where this run defense is. And I don't know if it's going to take time. I don't know if it's going to take Willie Gay figuring out the system more and turning into some sort of Superman linebacker. I don't know what it's going to take. 
Yeah, it, it's it, it's weird because we thought that our cornerbacks were going to have this Jacqueline Hyde mentality, but it's actually our defensive line that's had the this like mentality. Because look, we got to Sam Darnold yesterday, but we didn't sack him very much. It was only one sack, but Chris Jones got to him three times. So it's strange that that our defensive line is very good on paper, right? Frank Clark, Chris Jones, you can't beat that in the NFL right now. But they're just not getting the numbers that we need them to get. And we have some pretty good role players that are coming back in. I think Mike Pinnell actually played yesterday. And we haven't seen Mike Pinnell in a while. So hopefully Mike – and I know Mike is a is a smaller name we don't talk about. But Mike is, is, is very important in the rotation. So we just got him back. I hope that brings people back. I think um, Tershawn Wharton, who we haven't talked about a lot, he's been playing really well. So I hope we are on the trend up and next week's going to be a big indicator whether we can stop the run. But just ridiculous that we're this we're the second best um pass uh pass defense in the NFL. That's ridiculous. Well, and that's why this team again is not going to live and die by the offense, but is primarily an offensive team because it doesn't matter if you can rush the ball on us if you can't consistently put up points. As we pointed out earlier in the year, the Raiders showed everyone the blueprint on how to beat us. You got to slow down our rushing attack you got to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes with only four rushers and you got to put up points and keep the offense off the field so far in Pat's tenure they're the only team to connect all those dots in a single game so if we can get ahead of teams keep scoring touchdowns like we did on the Jets and forcing them to abandon the run and then throw against our second highest rated pass defense that's our key to success yeah, no, that, that, that's a very good analysis. And I think going forward, there's not a lot of teams that can really counterbalance that, except for maybe the Steelers, who we were not going to play in the regular season and could get they could get knocked off or the Ravens could get knocked off before we play them. Who knows? But I, you know, being a homer and I love the Chiefs, give me give me the Steelers, because when's the last time we've we've beat the Steelers? Actually, has Patrick Mahomes beat uh, played the Steelers, beat the Steelers? He dropped a five-touchdown bomb on him in his second start of his career at Heinz Field, and that's when we all knew this kid was special. Oh, okay. Never mind. Because <laughs> I was actually, I totally <laughs> forgot about that, because I was driving my car one day, and I was like, Steelers have always been in the back of my mind as a Chiefs fan that we can never get past that hump. I mean, how 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 many Steelers games have, have you and I watched, and we're like, oh, we're almost there. Come on, Alex. Multiple. I mean, we saw that one back in 2016, I believe it was, where they didn't score a touchdown, and they still managed to beat us. You know, I would say they're the last team we haven't necessarily exercised in the playoffs in regards to our curses so yeah you know would i want to play the steelers i think they're a really good team and have a good shot of beating us but man i think it'd be a fun game to watch yeah yeah as a as a chiefs fan i want people to know we are the best team in the nfl give us the steelers in the playoffs and let's have a let's have a fun ride fun ride talking about talking about fun ride let's finish it up Panthers game preview. Let's go back to your original point, Reese. We have to prove as a defensive line to beat the rushing attack. And there's no better rushing attack than Christian McCaffrey, who will make his start. Um, He hasn't played in, I think, six weeks. He's been out since the second week. He will come back next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, albeit 
coming back from injury, a very serious injury. But but Christian McCaffrey is a beast. He This is the first time that he's really missed games, so I would assume he's coming back 100%. What do you think is going to happen with Christian McCaffrey? Is he going to go off on us, or are we going to be able to have this may, be a statement game for our D-line? Well, it's going to be a very good question, and it's going to be a really big wait and see because I'm not particularly afraid of Teddy Bridgewater, so to say. Christian McCaffrey is very dangerous, but as you alluded to, he is coming off an injury. Six weeks of ring rust. You know, how explosive is he going to be? You know, I think it'll be important to shut him down, and I think the rest of the pawns will crumble after that. Do I see us getting in a shootout with the Carolina Panthers? No. But do I see us having trouble with a team that converts at nearly a 50% clip on third down? Yes, that could be an issue. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. If I have Christian McCaffrey on my fantasy team, I mean, of course, I'm going to start him, Um, especially with the trend, like you said, we're 29th uh, in, in rush defense, which is not very good. So... It looks like this is a good game for Christian McCaffrey to start. I just hope as a Chiefs fan, they are in the locker room. They are in the the practice room. They are in the film room this whole week saying this is going to be our game to prove that we are back. We got Frank. We got Mike Pinnell back. We, of course, we have a healthy Chris Jones. You know, when's the last time that we've had a core that that is this healthy on the D line? They have to prove this game that they can stop the run. Once we fit, once we say we can stop the run with someone like Christian McCaffrey, then I'm scared if I'm the Ravens. Then I'm scared if I'm the Steelers. I mean, I should already be afraid if I'm the Ravens or the Titans. So I hope we do. I'm sure it's going to be one of those games where the first couple quarters, Christian McCaffrey goes off. I think that's the reality. These teams always come out first quarter and then Andy Reid goes into the locker room, gives the most amazing speech every week, and then everything is fine again. So I'm sure that Christian McCaffrey's probably going to score a touchdown in the first half, but I think we're going to figure out a way to stop him. So I say we win not a close game. It'll be close in the first half, but then we we run away with it. Well, what worries me about Christian McCaffrey in the long run in this game is that he's not just a one-trick pony. He's not just a running back. He's also a great wide receiver. I think Chiefs fans would all say we would be over the moon if Clyde Edwards-Alaire develops into Christian McCaffrey I if I were the defensive coordinator in this game anytime it's a running down or a down where you could see a wheel route or a pass to the flats to McCaffrey I would just be having formations in there where I tell Willie Gay keep your eye on this guy and don't let him get by you put your best athlete against their best athlete that's smart that's smart give me a score to end it my scores are always bad so I'm going to say it's going to be 29-21. No, 29-20 Chiefs. Give me another 35 points that we do. So 35-21 Chiefs. That's a good one as well. All right. And a quick fantasy thing. If you have Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson on your team, I think one of them is probably going to have a good game because one of them is going to be paired off on Rashawn Fedden or Javarius Ward. And Curtis Samuel came back and he's playing really well. He played really well last week. So I think one of them is going to have a good game. If you have one of them, probably start them. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, 
We thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.